0: On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, we play the what-if game ahead of tonight's NBA Draft Lottery. It's extremely unlikely the Toronto Raptors will get lucky and move up into the top four. Even less likely they'll get the number one overall pick to draft Victor Wembanyama with, but we get a little hypothetical, a little wishful, and a little forecasty on today's show as we dig into what would happen and what the fallout would be if the Raptors do in fact score some lottery gold tonight. Let's get to it on today's episode. Thanks for hanging. What's going on? And welcome to another episode of Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, May the 16th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms you can find all my work over on twitter at woodley sean you can follow the show on instagram at locked on raptors and of course you can join the locked on raptors discord server which is the link is in the description it's a super fun place to come hang out talk about the raptors offseason the playoffs zelda's tears of the kingdom uh and also uh the draft lottery tonight it's going to be the place to be if in fact the raptors do get super duper lucky tonight you're going to want to be in there to react with all the sickos who are uh just really really dreaming big in the uh discord today I Actually did a tankathon sim and dropped in a first overall Toronto Raptors screenshot. It was like my sixth try doing it, crazy, uh, and it just sent the people into a tizzy. So jump on into the Locked On Raptors Discord, it's super fun. Come hang out. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Create an account, use the code Locked NBA for twenty bucks off your first purchase. That last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed with Game Time. And uh, on today's show. Like I said, we're getting into the what if game as, you know, what if the Raptors get super duper lucky tonight and end up with one of Victor Wembanyama or potentially Scoot Henderson with a number two pick, Brandon Miller, Ozer Thompson, Amen Thompson, the the Thompson twins, they're also in the mix there um, with the three, four, five picks, you know, it's a very unlikely eventuality here, of course. Just 1% is the Raptors' chance of moving up to get Wemby and a 4.8 chance, 4.8% chance of moving up into the lottery. Uh, but of course, the Raptors have ethics on their side. They didn't actively tank the season away, much like basically every other team outside of maybe the very injured Indiana Pacers in the lottery. And so if you're going like what the lottery gods might be, reward i think the raptors behavior down the stretch where they tried to win and still failed that to me feels like like lottery god gold and something that they will be very very excited to reward tonight so get hopeful if you want you know there's this it's very unlikely set your expectations low but hey if things happen boy things change Big time, which is what we're going to dig into on today's show. Uh, We'll talk off the top about Wemby, how it would change the course of the Raptors going forward. We'll get in then to Scoot Henderson, what that would mean for Fred Van Vliet, what it means for the Raptors as a whole going forward. And then if they end up 3-4-5, It's pretty interesting considering the positional and skill overlap and weakness overlap, you'd argue, with some of the guys in that range, and what could that mean for a Pascal Siakam this offseason? Does it make a sort of quick teardown a little bit more likely? We'll get into that. Plus, stick around for the end of the show as I will be announcing the winner of the fan portion of the 6th Annual Locked On Raptors Overs, Unders, and Props Contest. I've uh, tallied the the scores from 41 submissions from the start of the season. We have a winner. We'll get to it at the end of the show and reveal who's going to a game next year on my dime. All right, let's get into the sort of the big one here, right? Victor Wembanyama. We all know. We've heard it. We've seen the hype. We've read the pieces. We've gone through the draft guides. I have been looking at Victor Wembanyama film on YouTube. There's a beautiful collection of just like three hours worth of commentary-less arena shots of Victor Weminyama playing basketball in France, and uh, it's delightful. You just get to watch all the highs and lows of his game for three straight hours with uh, like sort of off-timing sound effects from the crowd, uh, sort of reacting delayed to things that happen on in the game. It's lovely. You can just watch a ton of Victor Weminyama out there on YouTube. So go do that if you are not familiar with what a transcendent prospect he really is. He's the type of dude who changes your life, Forever as a franchise. And I, like, look, I'm not a prospect expert. I wouldn't go and sort of like parade around to know exactly what his incredible strengths and weaknesses are, what makes him this sort of transcendent prospect. But every person in the know, everyone who covers this stuff for a living, who spends all the time traveling to France, watching these games in person, watching the film, breaking it all down, talking to people around the game, it's like universal praise for Victor Wembanyama as a prospect. He's 7'4", seven 7'5". Seven like, they keep changing his height. He keeps getting taller. He blocks a million shots. He has a handle. He can score around the rim. He can score on the roll. He can be a pick-and-pop guy for you. Like, he's going to be a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Maybe win it a dozen times. Like, it's a different kind of prospect than you're normally seeing, even with the first overall pick. And the, the praise is out there. Like, best prospect since LeBron James is just, like, the standard consensus thought. About Victor Wembanyama. It would be absolutely game changing for the Raptors. And for me, I think the really exciting thing about potentially landing Victor Wembanyama is the way it almost bolsters the idea of the overlapping timelines thing that we've talked about with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam. And can you overlap Siakam's late prime with Scotty's early prime? I think it almost makes it more likely that you can pull off that multi timeline plan. If you do get Victor Wembanyama, who will be on a, a rookie level contract for the next four years once you draft him, that gives you such an advantage when it comes to team building around him. Obviously, Scotty Barnes still got two years left on his rookie level deal as well. And I think you really start looking, you get Wembanyama, you've got Scotty, you've got Pascal, you've got OG. If you can bring back Fred Van Vliet. You're cooking with gas there as far as like your five best players, not to mention what you do with Gary Trent Jr., who maybe becomes a more attractive type of piece to bring back as a really nice complimentary player on a team that might be ready to go and be pretty good next year. Um, that, you know, is starting from a spot that most rebuilding lottery bound teams are not, right? Like they actually have stuff on the roster to support an incoming superstar talent with. You don't often see that. And so I think they could kind of hit the ground running really quick here. I think, you know, two things kind of stand out to me as far as what a Wembenyama addition to the team would do for the pending UFAs on the team. With Fred Van Vliet, I think it becomes apparent you got to bring that dude back. If Victor Wembenyama is on your team, you don't want to bring in a rookie center who has a lot of utility as a role man, as a pick and pop guy, without a point guard to make use of those tools to help massage the development along and I think Fred Van Vliet sort of pull it up for threes with Victor Wembenyama on the dive. I mean, that sounds really exciting. We saw the success that he had with Jakob Pertle this year. Wembenyama, you know, obviously Purtle is a far more advanced player in terms of just like knowing the NBA game, physically built, all his stuff. But like Wembanyama's talent is just so bloody tantalizing. It's just something Victor, y- Jakob Pertl can't even sort of contemplate. Like it's just not stuff he's able to do. And I think it would be Truly game-changing for Fred VanVleet to have someone as versatile as Wembanyami. He kind of brings the dive man abilities of a Purtle, along with the sort of pick-and-pop abilities of a Serge Ibaka of a couple of years back. Um, and obviously, it's just in a sort of younger, more projectable, incredible package. And so I think it would be a really, really glove-like fit with, with Fred kind of running the show. You've obviously got Pascal and Scotty to offer extra playmaking there as well. Uh, and you could get pretty fun. I mean, a Fred OG siakam barnes wemben lineup we saw how bloody successful the Raptors were with that lineup with Jakob Pertle in there. You swap out Wemby, who while he only shot 28% from three in France over the year, over last year, it seems as though most people project that his shot is going to be just fine in the NBA. It looks really good. It looks almost alien-like because it's coming off the fingertips of a seven four dude who can't have his shot blocked just physically speaking. Um, and so that's a whole new element that really solves the issue of, oh, this spacing is a little bit janky with Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Yaka Purtle. You throw Wemby in there and it's a whole new game. It's like getting the Miles Turner effect, except he's 20 or 18 years old and is going to be on your team forever and might be one of the best players of all time by the time it's all said and done. If everything goes, you know, to the plan and to the book and he stays healthy and all that stuff, of course, the health caveats with 7-4 dudes are always there. It's just the way... Physics and anatomy works, but anyway, with Pertle this is the fascinating part. If the Raptors do get Wembenyama, is do they bring back Yak? The money's going to be tight, right? Especially if they want to bring back Gary to as a shooting compliment around a Wembenyama centered team. Um, you know, it becomes tricky to bring back all three of those guys, and maybe Pertle almost becomes a little superfluous on the team. You know, that's not to say he's not very good and wouldn't be useful. You know, obviously, you could roll lineups out with Wemby at the four, have Yak be your center. You would have 48 minutes of excellent center play, most likely from day one, with Wembenyama and Pirtle out there. Even if Wembenyama is going to take some time to get up to speed, it feels like he's the type of dude this level of prospect usually comes in and is an impact guy right away, just the way he's being branded, the way he's seven foot four and blocks every shot in his vicinity. Like, he's going to have an impact right away. And so you could have those two guys. It's just the financials, right? Do you pay the tax next year for a team that just won 41 games? Maybe it becomes more viable to pay the tax if you have Wemben Yama and you're bringing in ridiculous revenue from jersey sales and tickets and season ticket renewals and all this stuff. Like, maybe that makes the tax more amenable to the the front office and to the higher-ups. But again, the tax is a way more punitive thing now in the NBA with the new CBA coming in. So you got to be careful about it. And I don't think you'd want to lock yourself into the tax in year 1 of having a transcendent player like Victor Wembanyama. And so I do think what probably happens here is either they try to find a sign and trade for Yak for more of like a shooter or a wing type to sort of balance the roster or they just let him walk. And that would be seemingly very bad asset management. And on the surface, yeah, you trade Yak or trade for Yak a you give up a first round pick in a couple seconds and Kem Birch for 26 games of Yak. That's crazy, but at the same time, you didn't know that you would have the crazy fortune that in this hypothetical you had to go get Wembenyama in the draft, and if that comes to pass, I feel like the sort of asset math of Wembenyama in, yak and first round pick out the door, the first round pick's a lost cause already, it's a sunk cost, it's 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 a shame it's out the door, but it's gone, I feel like you make your peace with Wembenyama in the door and Yak walking for nothing to go sign somewhere else, and that's that first first round pick that you send out top six protected. You know you'll probably be good enough to avoid handing over a really good pick next year to the Spurs. You're probably handing that pick over because you're not going to be one of the six worst teams. That's for sure. And so yeah, it's it's a tough bit of asset management, but on the whole, if you if you told people you know, three years ago, all right, you're going to get lottery luck, hilarious lottery luck in two out of three years, you're going to get Scotty Barnes one year and Victor Wembanyama in the in two years after that, I feel like you'd be all right just never having a first round pick again for the next like five years, just because how, what are you ever going to do that's as great as a Scotty Barnes, Victor Wembanyama one, two in two drafts out of three. It's, uh, you know, I, I think on the whole, you'd make your peace with it. And so I do think, Wembenyama coming in would probably spell the end for Yak and the Yak experiment in Toronto, and it would stink, and it would be sort of a retroactively a pretty bad-looking trade on paper for the Raptors, but I don't think they'd be any worse off because they have Victor and freaking Yama on the team. This is a 1% outcome, so this is not happening. But if it does, that's how I th- see things kind of progressing. Fred stays, Yak probably leaves, and you go forward with, with Wembenyama as your starting center, with Christian Koloko as his backup— Maybe you play them together sometimes and are just the biggest team ever to play basketball. We'll see. But uh, that's kind of what I see is what would happen in the event Wemby goes to the Raptors number one, which again is the most ethical outcome here. And if Adam Silver were fixing things, ethically speaking, this would be how things would go. We'll be back on the other side. We'll dig into Scoot Henderson. What happens if the Raptors end up number two and take Scoot, of course, from the G League Ignite. We'll dig into that and uh, talk about what that means for Fred Van Vliet. That would probably spell the end for him, right? We'll get to that momentarily. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at GameTime who are wonderful because they make it so you can buy tickets for your favorite sporting events super easy and stress-free. You shouldn't be stressing when you're trying to go to an event, whether it's sports, music, comedy, theater near you. You can get killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. All you got to do is just head over to the Game Time app, download it, and just start perusing around to find those great deals. They got game day deals up to the last minute of the day of the event you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball concerts comedy theater uh, and ga- the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section for, or row for less game, game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference that is incredible get images of your seat before you buy as well it's just two taps and you get your tickets sent right to your phone you don't have to dig through your emails and be the person holding up the line doing that download the game time app create an account use the code locked on nba for 20 bucks off your first purchase terms apply again create an account Redeem the code locked in NBA for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we continue on here. Your first listen of the day, digging into the eventuality, the thing that's definitely happening tonight. The Raptors moving up in the draft lottery, uh, for the second time in three years, which would be really cool, great stroke of luck. And, uh, Probably the end of any sort of tanking talk for the rest of time uh, because, you know, that they've, they've gotten their luck. They're, they're done. They can move forward and, and not feel like they have to keep on tanking for good players or losing for good players. That's never going to be a carrot that's dangling you want to go and chase anymore. Um, let's get to Scoot Henderson, shall we? The projected number two pick has long been kind of branded as the number two guy it seems like Brandon Miller has kind of challenged him a little bit as far as the the number two status goes he's number two Brandon Miller is on Kevin O'Connor's board over at the ringer for example Um, but Scoot Henderson would be the pick here for the Raptors boy oh boy does this team need guard play and not more forward play and like Scoot Henderson would be again much like Victor Wimbanyama who obviously he's like a bit more of a projectable, easy to sort of pencil in as this guy's going to be a perennial all-star type guy. You know, Scoot Henderson has a little bit more in terms of stuff to iron out. The jumper's a little bit off. You know, he's got a mid-range game, but the three-pointer's just not been there. Um, And he's like six foot two. Point guards obviously kind of come with a a built-in limitation just on size and all of that. But he's also built like a Mack truck and is incredibly athletic and draws comparisons to Russell Westbrook and Derrick Rose and so maybe you overcome the lack of shooting just by being a dude and get to the rim whenever the hell you damn well please and I think if Scoot ends up on the Raptors with the number two pick this probably spells the end for Fred Van Vliet you know I think there's an argument to say hey like keep Fred to mentor a young point guard coming along, but maybe just as a cost-effective measure uh, instead of paying Fred his money when you've got Scoot there, you know, you bring him in, you have Scoot and Scotty kind of with pascal you know share the creation tandem load all of that stuff like it wouldn't be perfect and i think you run in the risk of missing the playoffs next year if scoots your sort of starting point guard and you go with him from day one um and you don't want to miss the playoffs next year you owe a first round pick um so I, you know i think there's arguments both ways but i do think just sort of logically speaking it probably makes sense if Fred ends up getting signed and traded somewhere else, uh, you know, or maybe just signs into someone's cap space Though there aren't many teams that have that right now. Um, And I think, you know, you probably end up and you're happy with Scoot going forward. I do think, you know, it it creates an interesting conversation as it relates to the sort of overall timeline. Like, is Scoot Henderson good enough, like I feel like Wemby is, to double down on that multiple timelines thing again, right? Like, is he someone that you can say, yes, we can now overlap Scoot and Scotty's early prime with Pascal's late prime and OG, whatever he's going to sort of continue to mold himself into. Is that a, a group of guys you can go forward with and really expect to be a very you know good team in the Eastern Conference, maybe contender in a few years' time, all that? Um, is that something you can bank on? I think it's possible, for sure. A lot of it depends on how ready Scoot is for the NBA game, and that's just something I'm not equipped to really know. The three-point shooting for him that's a concern, and this is a team that doesn't have a lot of three-point shooting. I think if Scoot's back, you probably have to pay Gary to keep his shooting around, um, especially if Fred's walking in the process, and then maybe you're able to sign and trade Fred for someone who can also shoot. Maybe he just walks in into cap space somewhere else, and you're just like, uh, eh. you take the loss, and you use the cap flexibility, or not even cap flexibility, just extra money maneuvering ability, not really to sign outside players, but just to keep your own guys, or whatever it might be. Um, I think, you know, obviously, you'd prefer Wemby in this situation, it would be such a glove-like fit uh, with the guys they have already on the team. It would be like a natural extension of Vision Six Nine, just with six more inches added on top. Um, but ultimately, I think you know Scoot would be an absolute like it would be an absolute song for the Raptors to end up with him. Right, just so so exciting as far as his athletic potential, as far as his ability as a lead guard. And honestly, I think if you're thinking about players to pair with Scotty Barnes a lead guard who can kind of handle some ball handling duty, ideally shoot, which again, we're not quite sure if Scoot has that just yet. Things, These things develop. This is not, uh, none of these guys are finished products by any means, and to sort of paint them as that would be foolish, but, um, you know, it, uh, Scoot profiles potentially is the type of guy who's a wonderful fit next to Scotty if the shot can come along a little bit. If not, then that becomes a bit of a conundrum, right? If Scoot's going to be a 28, 29% three-point shooter like he was with the G League Ignite night this year, does that change the, um, you know, the sort of calculus of the, the him and Scotty pairing? You know, he was a better catch-and-shoot guy than he was a pull-up guy. All this, like, these things come along. I would imagine Scoot will find his way to become a three-point shooter. He's super talented, and that's what these guys do. But um, it's certainly an interesting conundrum, an interesting question. How it relates to Fred Van VanVleet is fascinating. Uh, but ultimately, I think, you know, it would probably spell the end of Fred. That said... I don't think you want to go into next year with Scoot as your only point guard option. I think that probably enhances the need to go find like a very serious good backup, whether it's you find a way to pry Tyus Jones away from the Grizzlies, or you find a way to get DeLon right back from the Wizards. Uh, you like, you'd have to go into next season with a very good backup point guard option and someone who can kind of be there to mentor and, and, and help shepherd Scoot Henderson along and just kind of be there in the event. Scoot can't be up to the duties of running an offense, every single possession down the floor. Um, you know, he'd have help. Pascal obviously is really good with the ball in his hands. You maybe get more heliocentric Pascal out of this. Scotty's going to take, you would assume another leap when it comes to his creation duties. Um, Um, But, you know, if you have a point guard, point guards aren't good right away, typically in the NBA. It's very rare that a point guard comes in and is just awesome from day one. It's a very hard position to learn. There's a lot of nuance to it. you got to learn your teammates, all of this. Um, But, you know, obviously, you figure it out, and you'd be very, very happy and thrilled if you moved up and got Scoot Henderson, even if it kind of makes a little bit of a a, a roster conundrum and, and question as to, do you bring Fred back? Is it worth having him on the team when you also have Scott, Scoot Henderson there? And how does the fit work with Scotty Barnes? If both guys are going to struggle with their shots, that stuff for pro- way down the line. You get Scoot Henderson in the door, you're laughing, and you're very, very happy no matter what. On the other side, we're going to get into picks three and four, what happens there, and why I think if that takes place, the two timelines thing becomes a little less tenable, and you might start looking at potentially... A Pascal Siakam trade. We'll get to that in just one sec. We'll also announce the winner of the over/unders and props contest from the fan portion of the entries. Uh, we'll get to that in just a moment as well. Before we dive on in, however, gotta tell you that our good friends over at prize picks who have made daily fantasy sports super fun, super easy, super accessible. And right now is a wonderful time to dive on in the basketball. uh, Regular season's long gone. We're into the conference finals. You're just one game a night. Why not play daily fantasy with the single games that are going on each night? I feel like the Nuggets are going to demolish the Lakers, and I would just be like loading up on Nuggets if I could in, in daily fantasy and, and having them pick the take, taking them more uh, against their projections of you know is Nikola Jokic going to have twelve assists more? Is Jamal Murray going to hit nine threes more? I know the Lakers are a good defensive team, but I kind of think they're going to get demolished by the Nuggets. Either way, if you like me are high on the Nuggets and want to go play daily fantasy sports with their players, you can do that over at Prize Picks. You just pick two to six players on a given entry and you can win up to 25 times your money and again it's just you against the available projections you say more or less than the projected stat if you get it right then you're in the money that's awesome and they also offer not just nba basketball but all the sports under the sun men's women's north american overseas it's all in there please go check them out at prizepicks.com Come And sign up and play daily fantasy sports. You can also download the Prize Picks app. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's super duper easy. And first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit matchup to 100 bucks with the promo code LOCKED ON. It just means if you deposit $100, bucks, 100 bucks will appear in your account alongside it. What a wonderful thing. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for an instant deposit matchup to $100 with Prize Picks. All right, we are rounding out the show here, taking a look at what would happen if the Raptors moved up into the top four of the draft not quite the Wemby or the scoot zone in one two but you get three four and there's essentially three guys who were kind of projected in that range it's Brandon Miller from Alabama it's uh and the, the Thompson twins Osar and Amen who played for overtime elite if I'm not mistaken uh in their careers uh in their college career no not college careers pre-NBA careers there you go uh the, the league's changing up this stuff and it's hurt my brain uh so you've got a man thompson is sort of projected as more of like a combo guard type he's six seven azar thompson more of a wing type he's also six seven identical twins etc um and i think you know with these guys it's it's a really fascinating conundrum the raptors would find i've used that word a lot today conundrum i'm going to retire that word for a hot second uh but it, it would create i think a pretty interesting philosophical question almost for the raptors as to what you do if you get you know three or four in the draft you probably take miller uh if he's there even though of course there's the sort of very unclear very unresolved stuff with him and the alabama and the murder investigation that he's tangentially tied to um you know obviously plenty of investigations going on there but I, i don't totally feel like amazing about how that's all been handled with alabama i think across the board the sort of concern with how that whole thing has been handled is pretty real um but as far as just like a basketball player brandon miller fits what the raptors would need more than i think thompson or thompson just because he's like a a, already a three-point shooter shot like 39 percent in college all that um wing score all that and i think you know either way you get three four or five None of these guys are, are projected as good as Wembenyama or even Scoot, um, or maybe Scoot's kind of in the, closer to their tier than Wemby. Wemby might, might kind of be on his own here, um, but if you get one of those three guys, Miller, Amen, or Osar, do the Raptors have enough juice to then do the two timelines thing? Like, do you believe enough in Miller or Thompson or Thompson becoming really good very quickly to help enhance that overlapping of Siakam's late prime? with the early primes of Scotty, and then, of course, one of whoever you could draft at three or four. And the answer there might be no. Like, it might take some time for these guys, especially the Thompson twins. Like, they don't have shots that really, uh, you know, are nothing to write home about right now. Like, their, 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 their jump shots are, are off. They're, they're wayward. And that's the stuff they got to add to really kind of take the next step as, as, as players, as prospects, as, you know, projectable future stars. And so, do you... Then sort of say, you know what, we get one of these really blue-chip prospects. They're maybe a little bit further away than Wemby or Scoot from being impact players from day one. Does this maybe make trading Pascal Siakam more of a thing we got to look at this summer as sort of a way to initiate what in this case would be a really quick rebuild on the fly? I don't think... You know, whoever—if you stay at thirteen, if you say you get Jordan Hawkins at thirteen or something like that's just who Tankathon has in there right now. But there's Keontae George, Casey Wallace, et cetera, et cetera. All the guys we talked about last week with Raphael. If you go listen to that show, go do it every day, or have already listened because they're the best. But um, if you get like a Hawkins or someone at thirteen, you're probably not looking at them as like a blue chipper who's changing your life to make that sort of younger timeline a surefire no-brainer. This is how you build the next great version of the team. Whereas if you get Miller, Thompson, or Thompson, maybe that does become a thing you can you know, believe in. If you have Barnes and Miller or Thompson or Thompson two, three, four years down the line, maybe that is your contending team. That's your very good sort of perennial playoff team and all of that that you're striving for here. And maybe Pascal Siakam doesn't quite fit into that. and Maybe they're not quite good enough before that eventuality three, four, five years from now, where Pascal being on the team makes a lot of sense. And so maybe... You have that super high talent, the the sort of you know two guys drafted in the top three or four uh, from the two of the past three drafts. You have OG, you have Precious, you kind of go in, you have Coloco, and you go in and say, you know what, this is the time for a very quick tear down. We move on from Pascal. Maybe we don't bring back Fred. Maybe we sign and trade him somewhere. Maybe you do bring back Fred as sort of the the shepherd for the younger team. Although I you know lots of people think he doesn't like to be a mentor I think that's wrong but that's fine um and then maybe the Siakam deal is one maybe you call up the Blazers or something and say hey you know that Shaden Sharp and Fernie Simons thing everyone's talking about you know is there something there and so that I think does open up a very real possibility that Pascal gets moved just because the timeline becomes a little bit harder to manage a little bit harder to project forward here um, whereas I don't think you can bank on Scotty plus 13 pick being the sort of core you can definitely build around, and I think Pascal becomes essential to that team being good in a way that maybe he's not if you have one of those higher blue chipper guys. I know this is kind of convoluted thinking, but it's weird. We're talking hypotheticals here. You have to get a little convoluted. Um, Either way, it would be a good thing for the Raptors to move up. It might spell the end of Pascal just because of the positional overlap, the lack of shooting, um, and just maybe the need to kind of reassemble the roster. And again, if you can flip Pascal, again, the Blazers kind of stand out. If you can get Simons and Sharp or Simons plus whatever and have that shooting injection along with Scotty, along with OG, maybe that makes letting Fred walk a little more palatable as well. You bring back Yak. Like, there's a way to retool this team very quickly on the fly around like a Scotty plus whoever they draft, three or four, plus OG, sort of core um you know it's it'd be a massive overhaul over the course of just one summer it might necessitate letting a guy or two walk for nothing which would drive people crazy but maybe that's just you know you got to cut your losses and you know accept when things just kind of have to veer in a different direction so that's where i think we're at there um you know again all these very unlikely one percent chance at the number one overall pick 4.8 percent chance at a top four pick um hopefully the lottery gods are smiling down today we shall see but it's fascinating stuff And the Raptors stand to have their lives very much changed and their offseason plans massively altered. If, in fact, they they end up moving up in the lottery. Not to mention, like, what it could mean for the coach. Like, if they get Wemby, how does that change what their coaching search looks like? Does it change who wants the job? Do, like, the dignitaries of coaching royalty start lining up to coach the Raptors? Who's to to say? Um, By the way, Monty Williams, that report yesterday. I like it. Go check out Monty Williams. Give him a long look. He's the kind of guy who the Raptors could badly use right now just to kind of set the culture and all that. That's for another day. But uh, that's where I'm at. Lots of change will happen if the Raptors move in the lottery tonight. Very unlikely, probably not happening. We're probably in the same spot we are today, uh, tomorrow. But if not, then boy, oh boy, things get massively interesting here on the show. Speaking of interesting, let's uh, hand out the winner of this year's Locked on Raptors Over Unders and Props contest. And uh, it was a very, very close, heated battle. We had nine, eight people in very close contention here. Um, so you remember yesterday from the, the show where we dug into the final results for myself, Vivek, and Sahal? Vivek won with 10 points out of a possible 18 on the over-under selections. Uh, very, very close <laughs> in the fan voting. And only a couple of people got better than 10 points. So uh, rough go for everybody. Everyone should be ashamed, I suppose. Uh, the winning score, 12 out of 18. I'll run through those who got 11 out of 18 right now. Just so you know, you were in the running, but didn't quite get it. i like to break some hearts here. Uh, six people got 11 points out of 18. We got Craig Regnier. Excuse me if I'm spelling that wrong, uh, or saying that wrong. Con LaHoulihan. Conla LaHoulihan, that is. Lawrence Smith, Andrew Fortnum, Lachlan Cubbin, Jeff Schofield. All of them finished with 11 out of 18 points. Well done. Congratulations. You beat everyone on the podcast yesterday, which is something to be happy about and uh, and proud of. Two people ended up with 12 points out of 18 at the end of the day when I tallied up all the scores of all the picks from before the season. And it came down to a very close tiebreaker. Of course, the tiebreaker was how many points will Terrence Ross score for the Toronto Raptors, sorry, for the Orlando Magic, Freudian slip, uh, for the Orlando Magic uh, in 2022-23. He scored 334 points. The tiebreaker Very, very close, not to the number itself, but in terms of the two numbers being close to one another, they were very close. Uh, Khalil Jamal and Jeffrey Richardson are the two people who got 12 out of 18, just to amp up the suspense here a little bit, uh, and came down to the tiebreaker. One person guessed 815 points for Terrence Ross, the other guessed 850, meaning the 815 is the winning tiebreaker number, which means... Jeffrey Richardson is the winner of the On Raptors Over-Unders Contest for 2022-23. Congratulations, Jeffrey. You are going to a game next season on my dime. Very excited to get you there. It should be awesome. We wait for an email. I'll reach out. But uh, congratulations. You are the winner. You should be very proud. 12 points out of 18. And uh, the closest tiebreaker answer. Very, very well done. Thanks again to everybody who participated. We had 41 people submit uh, entries and we will be doing this again next year for sure it was super fun to play along with everybody so uh, get your picks ready and get, get get your over-unders prepared going into next year as we will bring back this contest when the new season comes around hopefully we'll have over-unders about Victor Wembanyama and how many times he'll bl- bl- dunk on someone after a offensive rebound from a bricked three uh, <laughs> which will be a lot he does that a lot if you watch the film Anyway, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Congratulations again to Jeffrey for winning the over-unders contest. Very excited. Uh, again, I'll be in touch about your tickets, and we'll figure out a game for next year and all that once the schedule drops, etc., etc. And thanks again to everyone who participated. We'll be back again tomorrow. We'll react very loudly if, in fact, the Raptors do move up tonight. If not, we will uh, maybe do a little mailbag episode or something like that to get in your middle of the week, your hump day sorted out. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in. Go make your next listen. Locked on Leafs as the Buds are breaking down media day yesterday as the Leafs, uh, the Buds, I guess they are Buds, Mike and Dave. Mike and Dave are breaking down the Buds media sessions yesterday. Kyle Dubas, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, et cetera, et cetera. End of the season, locker cleanout Always interesting in Toronto. So go check out Locked on Leafs as they have the full breakdown of all that as the Buds continue to uh, disappoint perennially. Uh, (laughs) With that... Thank you very much. Thanks so much for hanging. We'll talk to you on Wednesday in another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.